0: you're about to hear a great word from our teaching team. At Freedom House, we're about equipping you to experience Christ's freedom every day. We would love to connect with you. We stream our live services Sundays at 1030 and 1215 Eastern Standard Time. You can join us at freedomhouse.cc live. I hope you enjoyed this message. What's up Saturday night? Y'all look awesome. Your worship is awesome. What a great night so far. Isn't it great to be how many of y'all glad to be in the house of God? Come on, raise your hand if you're glad to be here. Can we give Jesus just some praise tonight? Come on, let's just give him some praise. Wow. Love God. Well, we are. My name is Troy Maxwell. My wife and I are the senior pastors here and. I've got a great message for you tonight. I've got a great message. This series has been tremendous, uh, house party. How many of you have attended a house party? Raise your hand if you've attended one. Just about everybody. That's fantastic. We've been having house parties all over the city. Uh, and the whole purpose of this series is to let people know nobody's perfect, but every, every anything is possible. It's to introduce people to a loving Christ in a way that they can connect with him. And that's what Jesus is all about. He's his, This was the... This was his desire when he came to the earth two thousand years ago: is to let people know that God is real, and He wants to have a real relationship with us. Um, I've been reading a book called "The Power of Habits." The power of habits. How many of y'all have some bad habits you'd like to get rid of? Come on. How many'd like for me to pray for you right now and for it to go away? in Jesus' name. How many have some good habits that you have that you'd like to share with somebody? Why don't you take 10 seconds and share with your neighbor one of your good habits, not your bad habits, because that's between you and God. You're good. Take 10 seconds. Come on, share with them. Just turn to them. Tell them a good habit, like I exercise, like I didn't eat cake today, like I take a shower. Awesome. All right, come on back. That's more than 10 minutes. Y'all get crazy in Freedom House if I start... So if you want to read a good book, it's called The Power of Habit. It's by a guy by the name of Charles Duhogue, And he talks about that 40% of our daily routine is habit. 40% of what we do on a daily basis. Now this is very interesting. It only takes 16 days for you to develop a bad habit. 16 days. It takes 27 days, however, to develop a good habit. A good habit. And he talks about that there are three components to A habit. I want to tell you these three. This is really good. You you may want to write this down so you can understand how you work. I'm going somewhere with this, so follow me. The first is a cue. Every habit has a cue. A cue is something that causes you a prompt, could be a time of day, your alarm goes off, and the first thing you think about is brushing your teeth. Maybe the first thing you think about is a cup of coffee. For some of us... Two o'clock comes around, and you, you, it's not that you need it. It's not that you're tired, but you just smell Starbucks at two o'clock in the afternoon. It's just part of your lifestyle, a cue. Something happens. It's a prompt. It's, it's something that causes you to do the second thing, which is a behavior or a routine. This is the actual act or the actual habit. Now, the thing about habits is you have a cue, you have a behavior, you have a routine. And then the last thing is the reward, so the reason why we have a habit is because it produces something. It's a feeling you get. The result of the habit. You know you brush your teeth, the result is you have fresh minty breath. You take a shower on Thursdays and you come out and you feel good about yourself. But I like I didn't press upon you to maybe up that habit a little bit. How many of y'all bite your nails? You probably don't want to raise your hand because you don't have any nails on your hand right now. That's um, just got nubs on there. Now, here's the interesting thing about biting your nails. He studied this because I think sometimes we have an idea of what causes this. The cue for biting your nails is anxiety or boredom. The reason why you bite your nails is because you're anxious about something, you're nervous about something, so you need to bite your nails, or maybe you're bored, you're just kind of sitting there, and you bite your nails. The behavior, obviously, is biting your nails. Now, what would you think is the reward of biting your nails. Most people have an idea because we immediately go to the positive. However, the reward for biting your nails is pain and discomfort because you would rather feel pain and discomfort than anxiety and boredom. So you'll substitute the reward for the sake of the habit that you have. Now, I want to talk about two habits today. I want to talk about the first habit, which is going to lead us to something that's happening in a couple weeks on um, August 25th and 26th, which is our big house party at all of our Freedom House campuses, Central, South End, Lake Norman. We're going to even have a house party online. I don't know how it's going to work, but we're going to have a house party online. And we want you to get in the habit of inviting people to church. Now, what ends up happening is we, we... we, a lot of us inform people, but we don't invite people. We inform, but we don't invite. Let me tell you the difference. The difference between informing is inviting, and this is what's going to happen today. So this is just the way it's going to happen. You're going to leave this service. You're going to walk out to the lobby. You're going to run into somebody that you like, Okay, because typically you talk to people that you like. And you're going you're gonna to start talking, and you're going to like talk about the weather, and it's been a really buff, rough week and job. And then you're going to say something to the effect of, hey, we need to get together sometime. And the other person is going to say, yeah, we need to get together. All right, we'll see you later. And you're never going to get together. You informed them of the motive of your heart that you wanted to hang out. Let me tell you the difference between informing and inviting. An invitation... Same thing happens, you go outside, you start talking, maybe you talk about coffee, maybe you talk about what happened in the week, you talk about your kids. You got two kids, they got two kids. The difference between informing and inviting is you say, hey, we need to get together Tuesday at 2 p.m. at my house. That's the difference between informing and inviting. Now let me give you some cues that will help you know when to start the habit of inviting somebody to church. Because there's three important cues. The first is a very easy one. We don't go to church. They don't go to church. How about you get them invited to church? It's Hey, why don't you come to church? That's pretty easy. Would you agree? If somebody says, "I I don't go to church, I don't like church, that's a great time to invite them to church. You can say, well, my church is different. My church is different than you've ever been to because I'm there. That's what you say. Make it all about you to start out with. I will take you out to eat. I will pay for, you know, whatever you need to do to get them there. We don't go to church. Now, here's the truth is. The truth is a lot of people say they go to church. And I usually follow up with, when was the last time you went? And they'll be, um, um, yeah, uh, well, um, um, tell me what you're doing tomorrow. You know, like they just try to change the subject. All right, here's the second cue that happens. The second is things aren't going as I expected. So how you figure that out, like, so I'm giving you some cues that will help you step into the power of inviting, the habit of inviting someone. Things aren't going as I expected. I lost my job. Great opportunity to invite somebody to church. My boyfriend dumped me. Come on, that's just a great time to invite somebody to church. My girlfriend dumped me. Great time to invite somebody to church. I uh, um, I, I just, I don't have any money. Great time to invite somebody to church. I don't have any friends. Uh, that's a great time to invite somebody to church. Just anything. Something happened they didn't expect. They, something's going on in their world they didn't expect it to happen. Here's the third cue that I think is important As I wasn't ready for that. I wasn't ready. I just had a baby. Wasn't ready for that. Come on. We think we're ready. But I can tell you T.C. Hinkle over here will tell you that he wasn't ready for having a baby. <laughs> I wasn't ready for that. Um, marriage. Marriage. I don't care how much you prepare for it. I've been married 26 years. I'm still trying to figure out if I'm ready for it. Every single weekend, every every day I wake up, am I ready for this? I'm ready to, I'm just, I have to pray, you know, seek the Lord. You invite me to church, I'll come. I just moved here. I wasn't ready for that. I wasn't ready to be alone. I wasn't ready for this. Are you following me? The, The cue is that. The, the, the routine or the behavior is invite them to church. Hey, why don't you come sit with me? Well, 10.30 on Sunday, come sit with me. The reward. Now, what's the reward of inviting somebody to church? Let me tell you, there is nothing more fulfilling than watching somebody's life change. If you've never experienced being a part of someone giving their heart to Jesus, your life will never be the same again. Nothing more fulfilling then watching them raise their hand and say yes to Jesus Christ. And then watching their life unfold before you as God begins to deal with them and and help them. And you just watch and you're just happy because you got to be a part of someone's eternal life. Like their address has been changed because you showed them the map. Like you invited them to this and you get to participate. It never gets old never ever ever gets old i've been doing this for almost 30 years and it never gets old watching somebody i get so excited i'm an inviter man i'm not an informer i am an inviter so i want to give i want i want to challenge you august 25th and 26 we want to invite as many people to come to freedom house church and party with us amen so here's the second habit that i want you to get into this is what I wanna talk about today is the power, the habit of loving what Jesus loves. How do you know somebody's a vegan? How do you know somebody's a vegan? They tell you, <laughs> right? I do CrossFit. You, know, you, you talk to me for any length of time, CrossFit is probably gonna come up in my vernacular. It's gonna be in my, me and Clint, we do CrossFit. There, we're, prob- we're gonna have a conversation. I can promise you, him and I, We'll talk maybe 15 minutes about life, our wives, our, you know, our our, the church. But eventually him and I are going to start talking about CrossFit. You start hanging. Because when you get around somebody, you are going to find out what they love before long. The interesting thing about Jesus is Jesus typically surrounded himself with people that were not like him in order to influence them to think about God. You and I, our, our, our tendency, our default, is we typically connect with people, are friends with people, create communities, tribes, our tribes, are built around people that like what we like, do what we do, talk about the things that we talk about. Part of, Becoming a Christian and walking out the Christian life is being comfortable with people who are not like you. Not just different color, not, not just different culture, but who think differently than you. Maybe they have a different political view than you do, but you still hang around with them. Come on. Maybe they have a different philosophy. Maybe their worldview starts off different. However, Jesus had the ability to connect with people, create community. Think about, just think about the 12 disciples that he picked. They were nothing like him. There was not one carpenter. There was not, everybody was different. If you look at Peter and and James and John and and even the people that followed him, Luke, and all these, these folks that surrounded Jesus... The more time that they spent with Jesus, the more they fell in love with what Jesus loved. Now, if you didn't hear the message that I preached last week, I would encourage you to go on our YouTube channel and watch the message that I preached last week. This is not a, me- a series in the sense I'm doing one message and then another message, but it will help you understand a little bit more of what I want to do today. And it's found in Luke chapter 5, if you want to follow along. I want to dig a little bit more into this relationship That Jesus had with this guy by the name of Levi or Matthew. In Luke chapter 5, Jesus is early on in his ministry. And I'm going to read it out of the message paraphrase beginning in verse 27. It says, after this, he, Jesus, went and he saw a man named Levi at his work collecting taxes. He owned his own tax business. And Jesus said, come along with me. Or in Bible terms, follow me. Everybody say, follow me. And he did. He followed him. Walked away from everything. That's crazy right there. Walked away from everything and went with Jesus. Became one of his disciples. Levi, also known as Matthew, who wrote the book of Matthew, gave a large dinner, had a house party at his home for Jesus. Everybody was there tax men and other disreputable characters as guests at the dinner. You know you're having a good party when people show up that you didn't invite. So not only did he invite all his tax collector friends, but all the disreputable characters showed up too. Who's that guy over there? I don't know who that guy is. Did you invite him? I didn't invite him. How did he show up? You know your party's good when other people show up to your party. You know you're having a good party. I've been in parties one time where I, at my house, I'm like, who is that person over there? Penny's like, I don't know who they are. And they just showed up. Like they just, you know it's good. You know it's a good party. Jesus is there. Matthew's there. Matthew's there. All these, these crazy tax collectors. You know it was a good party because they were wealthy. So it was probably on the lake or something like that. Had a nice house. Everything's settled. I mean, it's beautiful. Everything's going good. I mean, they had waiters and waitresses and filet mignon and shrimp and, and oysters and all this stuff's going on. Jesus is right in the middle of it. The Pharisees and their religious, religion scholars came to the disciples greatly offended. What is he doing eating and drinking with crooks and sinners? Why why is Jesus hanging around with the riffraff over there? Why, Why is he doing that? Jesus heard about it, spoke up. Who needs a doctor? The healthy or the sick? Verse 32, I'm here inviting outsiders, not insiders. An invitation to a changed life, changed inside and out. Now, let me ask you something. What was it about Jesus that caused Levi to be so willing to let everything go? To walk away from everything? I mean, here's this man. Just put yourself in, in the story, in the narrative. Look, put yourself in the situation that's happening right now. Jesus is at the beginning of his ministry. Not a lot of people know what's going on about Je- with Jesus. Not a lot of people understand him. He, he's, he's actually... A little, he's causing tension in the community. People are questioning him. The church is questioning him. People are challenging him. It's early on. Not a lot of miracles have been done. He hasn't preached a lot of messages. And so he walks up to this guy named Levi, who, let's put yourself, let's look at Levi for a second. Who was Levi? Levi was a tax collector. He was known as an enemy of the Jews. Nobody liked him. Nobody liked the the, the tax collectors. Nobody... Just, we don't like RS, IRS people. We, we tip. They call us, we get a little nervous, right? So he, he is actually working for the other government. He's working for the Roman government, taking money from his own people. He was very, very wealthy. We know he was wealthy because there was another tax collector that Jesus ministered to by the name of Zacchaeus who he said, I stole from people and I'm gonna give seven times back. So you know he had a big old checking account. What was it that was so endearing about Christ that he could walk up to somebody and say, follow me, and this guy would give up a successful business and turn around and become a follower of Jesus Christ? What is it that we as the church seem to kind of have to create these little easy ways for people to enter into the church and we have to make Jesus all this way and that way and we have to make him look this way and we have to make this look like this and we got to make sure that everything looks perfect and when Jesus would just walk up to people and say follow me and they would just walk away. See I believe and if you want to write this down I believe this is the One of the things that Jesus loves, Jesus loves to show people their real self. I believe that when Jesus came and asked Levi to follow him, when Levi saw Jesus, Levi, Matthew saw in Christ what Matthew could be that was better than he was right where he was. Jesus became the mirror of the purpose that Matthew could do that was way beyond the money that he made way beyond the success of being a tax collector way way beyond the having all the stuff because you got to think about this see we think immediately when we think about going and reaching people for Jesus we immediately think about those that don't have anything those that are that are poor broken heartbroken addicted This guy was not that guy. He had influence. But when Jesus, the real Jesus, stood up in front of him and said, follow me, he reflected to Levi the best Levi that could ever be. He saw something in him. Because when you look into real Jesus, you will see the best self you can be. Not only that, not only will you see it, but you'll realize it's attainable. You'll see that it's possible. Because it's one thing to go, yeah, I can be that. It's another thing to realize you can do it, actually. Yeah. There's a big difference between the two. Big difference. Are you following me, guys? Yeah. He saw, he saw his, the best Levi. He saw something in Christ because the greatest obstacle I face between finding and fulfilling my purpose in God is me. D.L. Moody said it this way, there's no man who has cost me more trouble than the one in the mirror. It's not my environment. Your environment is not what's holding you back from becoming the best you you can be. It's not, it's not whether you have enough resources. I don't, if, I could just, if I could just make a little bit more money, then I would be better. No, that has nothing to do with it. It's not the family you grew up into. into. It doesn't matter what your dad was like, what your mom was like. It doesn't matter what abuse or what you came out of. It doesn't, that doesn't have anything to do with it. The only thing that's standing between you and what God has called you to do is you. And when you look into Jesus, the real Jesus, and he says, follow me, you will see the best you you have ever seen. You will see the peace. I'm going to stay here just for a minute because I think somebody needs to hear this. You will see the peace that you can have in your family. You will see being the best husband that you can be. You will see being the best wife that you can be, being the best mother that you can be. When you look into the real Jesus... And when Levi saw that, he got so excited about it, so fired up about it. He got so excited about this reality that he could be the best Levi he could be that he had to tell somebody about it. So he said, "What am I going to do? How am I going to get this out? Do I? Do I got. I, I, I got. Let's have a party. Who am I going to invite? I don't know anybody, but all my tax collector friends—they're messed up as I am. If they..." If they could just see what I saw. If if they could just picture the the reflection that I saw. If they could just get a glimpse of what life could be like. Like I just saw. Everything about them would change. Come on. When when that happens, man. you, You can't help but get people excited. And so he invites all these tax collectors over to his house. And Jesus, he goes, Jesus, why don't you come over to my house, man? Come on, let's have a party. We're going to have a party. I mean, they're just getting down. DJs. I mean, it's probably crazy up in there. Crazy. Crazy. And then, like, it always happens. Whenever something good is going down, the moral referees show up. Time out. Time out. The Pharisees and the religious people show up. Uh, excuse me, excuse me, is Jesus in the house? Excuse me, what's going on in there? The riffraff are in there. Uh, excuse, Mr. Disciples, could you guys come out here for a second? We need to have a little chat. Come on, me and you, we need to have a little chat. Come on out here. Um, uh, there's, a, that music is way too loud. Uh, um, that guy up there, his t-shirt is not ironed. And, um, uh, that hashtag does not fit into Christianity. Um, excuse me, that is not how you dress when you come to church. That is, that is not how you talk when you. Co- excuse me, and I cannot believe that Jesus is in the middle of all that. Come on, that's what religious people do. Religion will always complain about the problems, and they don't ever want to be a part of the solution. They don't ever want to be a part of the solution. They don't ever they don't ever want to be involved in, in in the solution. They just want to point at the problem. You know why? You know why religious people point at the problem so much? Is because they're trying to hide their own. Wow. And so if I can point out your problem, then it takes the light off of my problem. Yeah. And so that that's exactly what they did. They stood outside and they pointed. And I love what Jesus walks out. You can just see him. He just walks out, just calm and collected. And I can imagine what it went down. It looked something like this. He probably said, You guys. You guys don't get it, man. You do not get it. You are missing. You are educated. You know the Bible. You've read the scriptures. You've seen everything. You, 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 are, you, you can quote the first five books of the Bible. And you're missing that these people are the whole reason that the Bible was written for. The, all of the scriptures were pointing at this moment in history and you're, you, you missed it. And then he says to them, who needs healing? The sick or the healthy? And then drops the mic. <laughs> I'm not gonna do it because they're expensive, but. Why? Here's the second thing that Jesus loves. Jesus loves to rescue people. He loves to rescue people. I I was a youth pastor for seven years. My wife and I were youth pastors, and one of the things that I did every year is I would take youth to other countries on missions trips. And one particular year, we did some crusades in Trinidad. And what I would do with my youth group is we would do all the work on the front end, and then we would always have a couple days at the end to have some fun. So the reward was at the end. So you work hard, And then we're going to go and do something. And so in Trinidad, they had these real beautiful beaches. And so I said, hey, we're going to work hard for about six or seven days. And then day eight and day nine, we're going to go to this beach. Um, I told them what it was going to look like. We're going to hang out. We're going to go to the beach. And so we went, and it was this beautiful mountains on one side, mountains on the other side, beautiful, clear blue water. However, the waves were huge huge waves and so I'm you know I've got like 25 young people I'm a I'm a pretty good swimmer so I told the, the guys listen if you aren't a very good swimmer do not go out very far because you will die I mean it is it was that bad like I, I, I you know it was bad so a couple of us decided I knew these people these guys could swim so we went out we started riding some waves kind of playing around and I noticed out of the corner of my eye there was this guy flailing on the other side of this, the wave. So the waves would come in, and he was right caught in the middle between where the waves broke, and they would stop. And waves come in sets, four or five at a time, and he's just getting hammered, and he's like, <gasps> and I could just see him. And so I immediately you know, go into lifesaver mode, and I start swimming over to him, and, and I'm trying to help this guy. I'm trying to rescue him, but he's drowning. And in the midst of me trying to rescue him, he starts punching me in the face. Like, I mean, he's swinging his arms at me, and he's hitting me, and I'm grabbing him, and I'm pulling him along, I'm like, stop. I'm trying to help you, you idiot. You're like, what are you doing? I'm trying to rescue you. I'm trying, and I pulled him by the back. He had this, like, you know, one of those shirts on that covers you up so you don't get the UV rays. I grabbed him by the shirt because I couldn't get too close to him, and I'm just dragging him in, pulling him in. I get him all the way in, and he, you know, he's got he's got sand all in his face, and he's all jacked up, and the problem is is I'm yelling at him, and he doesn't speak English. He's German. And I'm like, stop hitting me. And he's like, who we go do? I'm like, I didn't understand. I can't speak German, so I, don't, I, don't, I just couldn't understand anything he was saying. See, here, here's what happens. Here's what happens with you and I. And It was awkward as anything when he was trying to say thank you after he figured out what I did. He's like, you know, something in German, and I'm like, yeah, all right, see ya. And we just walked our separate ways. It was the end of the story. Saved this guy's life and never know you know, anything about him or anything, he just walks off. I was talking, you know, spitting up and everything. See, here, here Jesus loves the rescue, but rescuing is messy. And sometimes, when people come in, they don't realize that they need rescuing, and, and you'll get hit a little bit by the very people you're trying to rescue. And I've realized that you are speaking a language that they don't even understand, because they've been so long in their dysfunction that they don't really get the fact that there's a new normal that they can live in. There's a new reflection that they can have, and so you're describing this life that they can have, and all they're doing is is fighting you on it, saying, "No, it can't be like that." And you're like, "Yes, it can," because when you meet Jesus, you'll see something, you'll see someone, you'll see the best you you can be. All you got just you could just see Jesus crazy. It's not, it's not always our time. I love what Daniel said, and Daniel was rescued. Daniel was rescued. I mean, think about, think about the last time you got thrown in a lion's den. Okay, I mean, I get nervous around cats because they know what I say about them, so I'm, <laughs> and he's thrown in a lion's den. Daniel six twenty seven says, he rescues and saves his people. He rescues and saves his people, he performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. Yeah. How does he do this? How do, he does it through the church. Here's the third thing that Jesus loves. Write this down, is Jesus loves the church. He loves the church. The church is his bride. He is our bridegroom. One day, we're gonna be reunited with him in all our glory. But here's the deal, here's the deal. The bride isn't perfect. We're, we're not perfect yet, but one day we will be. When we sit down at the marriage supper of the Lamb and we, and we the bride of Christ, is, are reunited with, with the bridegroom, with Jesus, man, it's gonna be a glorious day. But we've gotta understand that you can't love Jesus and not love his bride. Now, I know, I know I'm kind of preaching to the choir, but a lot of people have this philosophy that I can be saved and a Christian and follow Jesus and not be a part of the church. Okay, let me, let me explain how that works with me. That would be like saying, hey, Troy, I want to hang out with you, but I don't like Penny. And I'm going to tell you right now, you're not going to spend a lot of time with me. You're not going to sit down with me and start complaining about my wife. I'm not, it's not going to happen. Like, it's not going to be, you're not, we're not going to spend a lot of time together. The moment that you start hating on my wife is the moment I'm going to say, bye-bye. like Bye, bye Felicia. Like, You're gone. You're out of my world. This ain't happening anymore. Quit complaining about my wife. Well, I don't like that. No, stop. It's not going to happen. I'm, I'm only going to listen to it for about maybe one second, and then that's it. But yet we come into contact with a lot of people. So how do, how do we endear them to his bride by introducing him to the bridegroom? Because when they see themselves in the reflection of Jesus, they'll fall in love with the church. All of her imperfections. A bad attitude toward church offends Jesus. It offends Jesus. There's no way you can love Jesus and not love his bride. You you can't. The church is plan A for the world. Ephesians chapter 1, 22 and 23 at the center of all this. Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. Listen, everything centers around the church. It isn't, we are, we're not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to us. We are the ones that control the outcome. By the words, by the authority that we walk in. We've been given all authority under God. Matthew 16, 18. Now I say to you, this is Jesus talking to Peter, that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. In other words, the reason why hell is is pushing you back so much is because you're not involved with the community of believers that God has called you to. And so the minute that we step away from the church, we are are fair game for the enemy. And so so we've got to stay connected with the community. Serve the church. You want to become unbeatable? Be a part of the church. Give to the church. Protect the church. Somebody starts talking bad about the church, any church, shut them down. Not just about other churches. Not just about Freedom House. If they start talking bad about Freedom House, you better buck up. what you talking about Willis you better bring it on bring, you better step back throwing shade on Freedom House you better watch out but any church you just say hey, whoa 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 stop right there you're talking about the bride of Christ everybody say love what Jesus loves here's, here, here's, here's another one Jesus loves to heal hurts why because he can <laughs> he's the only one that can he likes to fix broken things Okay, think about this. Think about Matthew for a second. Think about Levi for a second. In order for him to take a job with the Roman Empire, in order for him to decide to work for the enemy of Israel, and tax collectors would take taxes from their own people give it to the Roman government, they would take extra money from the people and keep it for themselves. Now think about this for a second. In order for someone to stoop to that place in their life, they had to have had some bad experiences with the people that they're now stealing from. So in order for him to take a job and do what he does, he had to have been rejected by his own nation. To side with the enemy and steal and take from his own nation Matthew Levi obviously was living in a, in a place of hurt there was way, there's way more than just Jesus showing up follow me and then he walks away. And so Levi, the, the, the reason why Jesus comes and asks us to follow him is because he has a purpose for our life. And that purpose can only be fulfilled when we are a whole, not half, not whole. We gotta be completely whole because hurt people hurt people. And, and so Levi was hurting other people by taking from them, he was considered an enemy. Sometime, sometimes extreme drive, extreme ambition, can be the result of hurt. I'm gonna show them what I can do. I'm gonna to prove to them that I'm not a loser. And so we go to the other extreme as opposed to dealing with the hurt. And so some of us are in this room tonight and we're workaholics. Because the only reason we do what we do is because we wanna prove what our dad did say to us or didn't say to us. Or what our mom said to us or didn't say to us. Or what people have said about us or didn't say about us. Because of our insecurities, the rejection, the hurt, the pain that we've been through. We will, we will go to the extreme to show them. And that's exactly what Levi did. Okay, you're going to make fun of me. You're, you're going to talk bad about me. You're going to reject me. Guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to go work for the Romans. I'm going to step into a place of authority and I will take your money from you. You're going to make fun of me because I don't have anything. You watch and see how much I have. I'll buy the biggest house in the neighborhood and show you what I can be. The other side as well, sometimes we go the exact opposite direction and our lack of desire could be all about the hurt. Because there's no way that I can accomplish this because who am I? Jesus loves to heal hurts. Acts 10, 38, and you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went about doing good and healing all, all who are oppressed of the devil. Why? Because God was with him. See, when you love Jesus, you'll do what he did. You'll recognize that there's a calling on your life to help people have their hurts healed to throw even though you might get punched every now and then you'll throw out the the life preserver and say hey can, can i help you can can, can you i want to help you i want i want i want to i want to see you better not for my sake not not because i want you to be like me no paul said the best follow me as i follow christ because i want you to see i want you to see see the best you that you can be. Why don't you stand up on your feet? Stand up if you could. Would you close your eyes and just bow your head for a second? The last thing that I want you to know about Jesus' love is he loves you. He loves you. He loves you so much that he came and he paid the ultimate price for you. And his blood is available for you right now, for you to be forgiven, to walk in wholeness, to begin a journey with Christ. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what kind of pain you might be through. I don't know what kind of successes you may have. And you may be like Levi. Everything's going good, man. You just, everything is, you're on the top of the world. But you realize there's some emptiness. You realize, and maybe today, my prayer for you is that you would get a glimpse of the best you you could be. That you would get a glimpse of incredible life that God has in store for you, a life of peace, a life of joy, a life of fulfillment, a life of happiness, a life where the destiny, the the purpose of God is is just, just all over you, all over you. If you're here tonight and maybe you've never experienced the love of Jesus, the forgiving power of Jesus. Because all that's wrapped up. The greatest way that you see the love of Christ is through his forgiveness. We don't deserve forgiveness, but he gave it to us anyway. We don't deserve to be let off from the debt that we owe because of our sin. But listen, listen. Jesus said you can be forgiven right now. The greatest expression of love is that he laid down his life so that we could pick up ours. If you're here in this place and you say, man, I want that, I want that, I want that kind of relationship, not a religious relationship, but a, a relationship with Jesus. Would you just, maybe you never had that, maybe, maybe you had that at one time and you want it back again. Would you just raise your hand? I wanna pray for you tonight. Anybody in this room, you say, I want that forgiveness in my life. Thank you, thank you. Let's pray this prayer out loud. Just say this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe that his blood was shed for me. I confess that I am a sinner, saved by grace. Thank you, Lord, that I am free to live my God-given purpose. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. Thanks again for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this message. Don't forget to subscribe. And hey, if you want to find out more about our church or how you can be a part, go to freedomhouse.cc.